three. Oh, we're live. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and I am bringing you another slice of ridiculousness known as my mind, and I'm dragging along another helpless victim to see what we can pull out. So pull up a chair, enjoy the show, and uh, be dazzled because I actually have someone pretty cool. Uh, even though we've only spoken very briefly, their social media presence and just that energy feels right. So we'll see what happens. The one and only Farhana Cannon. And I hope I pronounced that correctly because some people pronounce Farhana differently. Nope. Perfect. And you are correct. I am the one and only Farhana Cannon in the whole wide world. me, And I'm the only one that comes up. Oh, I have the exact same problem. I'm the only Adela Marcy on the planet, which is lovely. It's both amazing and slightly annoying. I don't know. I think it's cool. Oh, it is. I just mean the slightly annoying is when you get imitators taking domain names before you. I was like, God damn it, why? <laughs> this only happened once. And I was like, God damn it, you beat me to it. They held it hostage, mashed free, so it was a lot of fun. But guys, as always, please go rate, review, subscribe, share, and tune in to this episode as we are about to jump right in. But before we do, as always, sponsor call for this episode is sponsored by imediaexposure.com. Head on over there, find out more about your storytelling, how you can essentially integrate your social media presence and who you are into everything that is an integral part of your business while creating the narrative that brings people in. Now, you guys have been fans of my show for any length of time. You guys know that I am the story-selling king. I am known as the Michelangelo of author creation, and I fucking love stories. So... It's cool that we have someone that actually enjoys them just as much as I do. So right off the bat, my first question is going to be, how did you start really realizing that you had an affinity for stories and people's like persona? Like they just gave this bullshit persona. What was the affinity that you wanted to get to the truth of that? The truth of that? My background is actually in fashion and in fashion, it's all about, you know, telling your story and, you know, as a little kid playing dress up and doing photo shoots and making my cousins go along with it, you know, you're creating a story in every single image and the things that you wear and the colors that you're using. And so for me, you know, you do like essentially audio storytelling. Mine is more of a visual storytelling. And so everything really can portray something like artwork. There's always a story that you can create or one that was intentionally created by the piece. And so I think my whole life has been that. Like I loved styling photo shoots and I worked for Latina Magazine, the style editor of the Today Show. And it was always like, this is the subject matter and now it's up to you to create that visual story. And, and then I worked for other brands doing their marketing. So I did a lot of experiential marketing, event marketing. And then when I started my company 10 years ago, I really felt as though people could connect with their perfect client online by establishing their brand story and really connecting with people that resonated with that. And so I really love showcasing people's brand stories, their core values in the visual like yeah. part of online marketing. For sure. And just wanted to correct, like I kind of play in all three areas of visual audio and uh, written. Written is kind of my more preferred, but apparently people really like audio. I'm sure you've seen, because we're friends on Facebook, you guys have probably seen this and I hope you have as well. The amount of people that keep telling me to produce shit with my voice, I'm like, guys, it's kind of weird that you guys are falling asleep to these, uh, but they're fun. Now I have a question very, well, two questions. The first one is, have you ever heard of Donald Miller's story brand? No. 
Oh, I would tell, I would recommend it. I think there's a lot of synergy between you two and um, who knows? It's just a re I thought you guys might have actually worked together because you said brand story. I was like, story brand. Maybe who knows? They're very, very close by. My other question, which is a little bit more prevalent to this, however, really comes down to how do you know, based on a brief, what kind of visual representation works out? Because the majority of people who are listening to our show uh, right now are people that work from home. They are solo entrepreneurs. They have small marketing agencies. But then while creative, they're not exactly like, okay, cool. I can pick a photo and just go with it. I know what, how to build this entire image out. How, how do you like piece that together? Like if you were given a brief, how do you, what happens next? What is your process to create the visual spectacle that comes from that? So generally there is a couple of different things and I work with my clients to create their marketing plan and their strategy and their brand story. So when I'm, pulling it out of them. Of course, I'm working with them through the process and I'm understanding. I think I innately am just very intuitive. And so I get people and I'm very friendly when I work with my clients. So they feel really comfortable. I'm the type of person that like makes friends at, at like the airport bar or like I just collect the people. So I'm pretty good at really figuring people out, finding out like what their wants and needs are. And then we really figure out what their value proposition is, what their special magic is, how we're gonna showcase that, who their target demographic is, and what their problems and needs are, and what really resonates with them. And then we tell the story that way. Like I'm really good with like color and styling and understanding all of those different components just from all of the different areas of my life in the past. Yeah, no, I totally get that. So if someone was to start out and say do it themselves, what would be the first place they'd look at? Because like whenever I'm looking down at someone's story and saying, okay, how are you going to begin this uh, this journey? I always like to see what was the flashpoint that started off their journey. And then what was the point of no return where they just knew and kind of like figuring out that step there has always been like the most prevalent thing for me to figure out someone's story and who they are, what they do, how they speak and essentially what they stand for. So I'm very curious what your process to that would be. So what we start off with is writing a list of adjectives that they want people to know or think about them when they are crafting any messaging or any visual, you know, marketing and, you know, adjectives um, like elegant, creative, fashion forward, sophisticated, um, bold, whatever that is, you have this list of adjectives and those evoke emotions. Then I have them go through and create their core values. So what are essentially your core values? What motivates you to do what you're doing? And then we create a brand board. So in the brand board, it will have your brand colors. It will have the style of your brand. And then the different images will obviously be the kind of way that you'll present things. So maybe your style is contemporary in visual, maybe it's modern, maybe it's pop art, maybe it is um, art deco. So whatever that style is, that's kind of how we start off. So adjectives that represent your brand, evoke emotion, core values, and your brand board that is like your visual showcase that you can hands to anybody that you're adding to your team, or somebody that say, you know, you're a solopreneur and you're hiring somebody to do your marketing materials. You could literally hand them that brand board and they'll understand the vibe of your brand and know the colors. 
That's pretty cool. See, I like that because that's the other side of what we don't do. So from like the copywriting perspective, even though I do work in the creative direction side of things, so we oversee part of this, that side of what you're describing is like the missing piece of what a lot of my clients are missing out on. So we always like repres we always tell them to go find someone to fulfill that and then come back to us or we find someone in house that can do it. But it's really cool that you do uh, the explanation that you just gave, because that is quite powerful. A lot of people don't even know their brand colors to begin with. Um, would you use like a website like colorhunt.io or like as a starting point, just to start figuring out what your website colors are, or do you look at your wardrobe or do you look at what's around you first for the client? So there's a couple of things that we'll do. Um, one, we look at what your brand is. So there's particular colors and shades that are good for different industries as well as those adjectives. So different colors mean different things. Yep. And when you look at your adjectives, what your industry is, what your goals are, and then taking a look at colors. And obviously you wanna pick a color that you like, because if it's your brand, you're gonna be stuck with it. And you're gonna to have to do some things with that color. So taking all of those three components and then finding the right shade. So there's color picker, there's you know, Google colors, there's Pantone. So I'll look at all of these different, so somebody says, oh, I really want green. So there's a million shades. There's dark green, emerald green, lime green, teal green. There's all of these different shades. So we figure out that. Then when you figure out your colors, I'll have people just go to Pinterest and like pin imagery that they feel like represents their brand. And then from there, we create their brand board. So there's a couple of different components, but obviously you have to like the color. It needs to make sense for your brands like for example if you are a water company you're probably not going to choose brown as your brand color yeah probably just not like it's not going to work for that industry so there's a couple of factors but obviously we take into account what like drives somebody from their visual likes gotcha so essentially you look you do like a deep dive and seeing exactly what your audience are kind of what they respond to in terms of what colors they already identify with say the brand or with the industry. So for instance, if it's a water company, obviously blue has got to be in there because it's just an obvious color to have. Yeah. So off of the cuff of that, what I'm really curious about more than anything else um, is the psychology that you go through. Because for me, everything that I do, I always like to look at the higher end psychology of how this impacts someone just every single time. And, uh, in fact, in one of the other shows, I think I, that was the first time I told someone how much money I spent on getting people just to get CAT scans while I read to them because I wanted to see what was firing off in their brain while I was speaking. Um, I get obsessive. I'm nerdy. I can't help it. It's just like a lot of weird nerdy shit. Um, but my curiosity is like, what is the psychology that you would say? And what, okay, let's make this a little bit more personal because I really want to have fun with this. Okay. You can either like you can either pick my colors or you can pick anyone else's in the world that we can use as an example. But I want you to just walk me through like how their colors and let's just say the makeup of the industry is there in the health industry or in the advertising industry, uh, their male, whatever. Think of a person that's in that in that industry that kind of fits that persona. Could be a friend. What color would you pick on, and specifically why those colors for those industries? I'm not so, putting you on the spot right now. I yeah, so I, that's super broad. And when you're picking colors for people, I have a client and she's in her 70s and she basically helps people pick their colors 
for their personal brand. And that can be translated into your business brand too. And you take into consideration someone's hair color, their eye color, their skin tone, and their personality. So there's a bunch of different things that go into that when picking colors. For industry, it really depends. So I have another client that is an African-American gentleman, and he wanted a very sophisticated New England style. So we incorporated some charcoal, um, some grays, and like kind of a maroon-ish color. Mm. And it was very sleek, and that was, the maroon color was going to be like an undertone. But essentially, it was just going to be very clean. He helps people create their financial projections and get funding. That's pretty cool. So it has the realm of finance and money in it, but we didn't want to have it be green where you think money, you think green, but we wanted it to be really sophisticated and help people through like the business plan creation. Um, so we could have went with a dark forest green, but I think like his personal coloring didn't necessarily go with that. And this maroon and the charcoal worked better. That's pretty cool. Like that is actually a very interesting way that you actually have that all planned out. And I can actually visually see how those layer, those colors would like layer one another with, especially with the, uh, oh my God, I can't even remember the last color you said. I think it's maroon. Yeah, maroon, like as a as a color. I just in my head, I was like dark red. It's like that's not it. It's got an actual name. <laughs> but yes, exactly, dark red. <laughs> yeah, so it's a lot of fun to do. So okay, so switching up gears entirely on this because I'm really curious about how you structure your day because I'm assuming just like many other people they speak to, especially when they're in this kind of industry, they're able to post a lot of content almost seamlessly. Especially like, so if you were to pick a social media channel, what media channel would you say is most you? Would you say it's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Snapchat? So IG. Okay. This is interesting to me. How do you know what photo to take? And particularly, and this is going to sound really fucked up because it's a little bit weird. How many photos do you actually take of the same image before you find the one you like? So I'm always curious about this because I think it's a one and done, but apparently it's like 50. I mean, I don't take 50 because that's aggressive and nobody yeah. has that. Nobody got time for that. <laughs> right? So I'll take a couple. Um, and it just depends on like the lighting and what it is. And I'll take a couple and see. What I actually do is I plan out my content calendar. So I'll figure out what are the quirky holidays? What are the real holidays? What are the product launches, the events? All of the things that we're going to be talking about promoting in that month. And then the month prior, we do a photo shoot. So I create a photo shoot list for my clients. So I have clients all over the country, the world, and I cannot always be there, especially, you know, in times where they don't don't let you go places. (laughs) This is why I like being in Europe. We're allowed to travel again a little bit. So I know I'm going away in two weeks, which is lovely. Hey, must be nice. <laughs> oh, I know. But then again, I, I, I will get into this, but by the time the show comes out, there should be a blog post on my website that is about 60 pages long, known as the six-year saga of what is basically the passport fuckery. Um, to give you an idea, this thing is going to be one epic-ass blog post. Like, I'm, the, the whole reason I'm going away is to write this blog post in another country. Okay. 
yeah but it's it's gonna be fun i don't know what i'm gonna title it though probably something like uh imprisoned on an what was it an island-sized prison for six years and see what happens because it should be quite fun but i'm digressing let's get back to what you were saying so you're actually traveling around uh when you could basically planning out what's going to happen for that for that month for your clients now when it comes down to equipment what are you using particularly like what is your specific equipment that you're using i am not a photographer so I hire photographers, so I use my cell phone. Cool. Smart. People <laughs> actually are surprised how good cell phones are. Like my friend built his entire Instagram business on his cell phone. Oh, I no, I meant to call people and oh. to like yeah. coordinate with them. No, but I do I definitely take photos on my cell phone. I have like a Sony mirrorless camera. I have an actual professional camera, so I can take pictures. It's just not my jam. Like I'm the one that creates the whole plan you know, coordinates everything. I say, okay, this is the location. This is what you're going to wear. This is how you're going to pose. Let me fix your hair. Um, you know, this, I, I'm the one that like organizes everything and sets it up. I can visually see what I want in a photo, but I really don't enjoy putting it together in editing photos. It's not my jam. I'd prefer to leave that to somebody that really likes it. See, I've got one very particular photo that I've been working on for about three years that I've been trying to get the visuals correct for, and I just gave up in the end and hired someone. I was like, look, I need this image with me in it. Can you do it? And they're like, yes. So we're, good. we're doing that next week, which is lovely. But it's so, I don't know about you, but do you ever get the frustration where you're like, oh my God, I so want this vision. It looks so beautiful in my head, but I can't seem to recreate in what's in front of me. Like, have you ever had that frustration? Yes. When I'm like, okay, the lighting is this. I just need a little bit more lighting here, but I don't have the things to make it happen. Yes, I, I have that all the time. And then I'm like, this is why I hire photographers that love figuring out these solutions because I don't want to. Yeah, always a good thing. So curiously on angles of photography, because again, I know like it's really strange to say this nowadays because I know you don't do photography, but obviously you do take your own photos and you do know what looks good. So what would you say instead of like, what are the best angles? What would you say is one of some of the worst ideas when it comes to taking photos? Like in your opinion, if you're a business and you're a brand, what are some of like, please do not take these photos? Like what are those? Don't post things that are super pixelated. I feel like some companies are just like, oh yeah, we have a picture. Let me just post it up. And since Instagram is my jam, I like to coordinate like the colors in what we're creating in the feed um, and make sure that colors flow and the shapes of the different things in the imagery kind of go together when you're looking at like a nine block feed. So making sure that you have quality, consistent photos is super important that you take into consideration color. I, I hate when people have too many words or when they post a lot of flyers and the flyers are not square sized. And so all of the words are like cut off and it just doesn't look professional. And People are like, oh, well, at least we're putting stuff on social media. And it's like, okay, I guess you're showing up. But when people are making a decision to do business with you, they're going to see that this looks unprofessional. And somewhere in the back of their mind or maybe in the front of their mind, they're going to think, maybe I don't want to do business with this person because their stuff looks unprofessional. Are they going to be professional with me? Are they going to be the best choice of how I'm going to spend my money? Yeah. I mean, that's always the case, but I've always found, this is quite an interesting thing. It depends on the service and the business you're in. 
And the only reason I say that is because if you go to my website, it looks, it looks nice, but I know where the improvements need to be. I know how much work I want to do on it. I just don't have the time to do so. But at the same time, I've spoken to so many people like, yeah, copywriters don't have the best websites. It's like, why is that? It's like, cause we spend so much time building everyone else's stuff that when we get to our own stuff, we're like, it's passive. We'll just leave it over there. No one cares. No one cares. We get clients elsewhere. So it's quite interesting, um, especially for someone that is rebranding themselves, myself, uh, into a new marketplace. That's very powerful, especially with visual storytelling um, on what's there. Now, you did mention very, very early on before we started, specifically around narrative. Now, I have a very different thought process when it comes to narrative. It could be similar to yours, but I'm very curious. What is your thought process when you say narrative? Is it just like for the whole month or is it something you look at that is like a longevity thing for that person? My slogan is it's all about the narrative. And what this means is sharing your authentic voice, you know, what your brand messaging is. So along with those lines of core values, if you look at my Instagram page, we talk about tips on what to do for social media marketing. We talk about, you know, color and branding and there's things, there's lots of interior design because I think that, you know, when you're styling a photo shoot, you need to be in a place. And so interior design comes into place with that. Um, there's quotes, like I'm all about, you know, manifesting like positive energy and, you know, I'm a jump into the deep end, sink or swim, like go after it. Don't let all of the limiting beliefs in your head hold you back. Like I have no time for excuses, all of that stuff. And so when you look at my Instagram, you'll see different things like that. So there's some quotes about life and I'm not a um, mindset coach at all. Um, but, yeah, but you read and you share what works for you, which is always a good thing. Yeah. And then I don't do interior design, but I have helped people stage things and created their offices to match their branding. I've helped restaurants with their interior design because it goes along with their brands and, and connecting with their target demographics. So Though I don't consider myself that, I have done that because yeah. it goes along with branding. Um, so there's just a lot of different things on there, but everything is very curated in a sense of color and style. That's pretty cool. See, I like that. Now, I'm going to like throw you a bit of a curveball here, and I just, I'm just i curious on this. Because again, my curiosity is the only thing that really bounds me whenever I'm on these shows. Like, Very few people know this on how little prep I do on these. I just kind of show up and just go and see what really comes up. Out of like going into this arena, I have to, or there's frustrations. Everyone gets through frustrations. We all have them in what we do. My curiosity to you is what are some of the biggest frustrations you see within your own industry and your inner circle or even your outer circle, the people that are actually around you? And what do you see as a frustration on the whole that you're just like, please, for the love of God, stop doing this. Just stop doing this. What, what, would, those three, what would those things be? I was actually just having a conversation with one of my clients and it's not like, I mean, I don't really have many kind of frustrations. You know, I'm a little too chill to like get caught up on those, those things in life. Um, but people not staying in their lane and saying that they are many things when, you know, we all have like special magic and yeah, some of us are good at a lot of things and some of us are really great at a couple of things. And I think when people say that they do lots of things, so in business, you sell it, your magic, what you're really good at is what 
sells you. Mm-hmm. And you might be able to do multiple other things, but like stay in your lane and really focus on that, that magic that you have. Yep. So for example, somebody that is like a mindset coach is like, oh, I'm a business coach. And it's like, well, can you run financial projections? Can you position me to get funding? Can you, you know, do my mark? No. Okay, cool. So you're just a mindset coach, but you're claiming to be a business coach. Okay. Or somebody that's like really good at like graphic design and they're like, oh yeah, we're a marketing coach. And I'm like, okay, so no. what's the marketing strategy? Where's my marketing plan? And they're like, oh, we just gonna, we just do your logo and we, um, and it's like, okay. So I think like, I just told you, I am not a photographer. I can take photos and I'm, no. I'm at them but I don't want to be positioned that way and I hire people that are experts in that because that is not a good use of my time to focus on because I know where my magic is my my magic is creating that like brand story that brand aesthetic creating your marketing strategy connecting people together like I'm an awesome connector and I collect the people so I know lots of them Mm -hmm. um I think when people don't stay in their lane and then they claim things that aren't completely accurate. Oh my God. Those are the worst. Like genuinely annoys me when people do that. So fellow, it's, it's a frustration. I think we both share. I, I realize it's actually from more real people that we have that frustration. Like the people have actually been in that industry and done it from day one. They're like, okay, don't come into my playing field. Cause you haven't done what you think you've done. So like, yeah. uh, so obviously like I, I've switched out my career from copywriter to just creative director now because there's so many elements that I really am in charge of, but they all fall under the brand of like copywriting, business strategy, and like campaign creation, like funnels and shit. So it's all there under this one banner. So I'm like, yeah, I'm comfortable saying that because I can back it up. But again, it's very funny whenever you see someone that's a graphic designer go, yeah, I'm a copywriter too. And you're like, really? Or an article writer. They're like, I'm a copywriter. Like, no, you're a content creator. There's a slight difference in what we do. Yeah. So it really does get me when people do that. Yeah. And I would never say I'm a copywriter. I obviously write copy on so people's social media posts. I've written emails mm-hmm. and things like that. And I can do it, but that's not my strength. And I have somebody on my team that does that because that's not what my core focus is and so like working with somebody like you I would say okay that's your expertise so you would be really great so you know we could partner together because you're really good at this and I'm really good at this at work and synergy and we have knowledge about the other things that it takes for these two things to work and we have massive resources to bring those things together for our clients which is lovely or ourselves which is the funniest thing I don't know if you've ever done this but have you ever reached that point where you can't do what you do for others as well as you do for yourself because you're way in your own head? Like, do you have that as well? Or are you just like, no, I got this. Wait, explain that. I, so I'll give you, so I said earlier, like copywriters have like the worst websites. Like we have the worst copy on our websites. Like I've done it with my own sales letter where I had, um, so I don't know if you know who John Benson is, but if you don't, he's the guy that basically, he's the godfather and creator of the video sales letter. Like everyone owes that to him. Um, He's a really dear friend of mine. So he was critiquing one of my sales letters and his only response to me was like, dude, who are you trying to sell this to? I was like, what do you mean? He goes, it just sounds like you're trying to convince yourself that you can do what you do. 
I was like, oh shit. And he's like, you're way too close to this. So my question to you is, do you ever have those moments where you're really just too close to the thing that it becomes a little bit chaotic for you to do? Um, or, do you have, or do you hire that out and make sure that the people that have the strengths that you lack, they take care of all that for you? So sometimes I don't want to start something, so I'll have my team do it and then I'll edit just cool. because I want to see where they're going to take it. I'll give them the description. Or for example, there's a picture that I, my team will be like, it will be a picture of me and I'll be like, I don't like the way I look. And they're like, well, it really works with this. And I'm like, all right, fine. I don't look pretty in it, but okay, post it. I don't think there's ever a time where you can say that, by the way. Thank you. I, by the way, for the people that can't see her, Farhan is a very good looking woman. So she doesn't get to say that. She does, but obviously we all feel that. But anyway, sorry, I have to throw that in. But keep going, please. So I end, you know, the cobbler with uh, no the shoes. Cobbler, yeah. Symbol uh, syndrome. There's time, but I think too, we might be more intense critics. But I've definitely seen that, but I try not to be that because I want people to see what I'm doing for myself is what I can do for them. And I've gotten complimented on that ability. So I'm very proud of that. Um, But my website and things like that, there's so many changes that I want to make, like my funnels. There's, But I think it's just because I'm so like OCD and perfectionist about it all that I'm like, I know that this could be like this and I need to do this and I need to do more. I'm always like, how can we do this more and better? So. No, I agree with that one. Like specifically with, um, so just a piece of advice that I'm going to give to my listeners that do go through this. Cause I am an alpha perfectionist. And by, I mean by an alpha pe- perfectionist, I got reined in by two of my business partners very recently because of this. They're like, dude, could you just submit what you wrote? No. Why? It's not perfect. They're like, could you shut the fuck up and just do your job? I was like, I am doing my job. So we had this back and forth and they're like two of my best friends. Um, And this is how it ended with, and it's this quote that I want everyone to know. So if you're really good at what you do, like you are genuinely, truly skillful because you've spent years upon years mastering this, no matter what the skill is. Just remember your 60% is probably better than most people's 100%. And if you are truly able to embody that, like I know I can, like the way that I write copy just verbally out of thin air is just a thing that we do all the time. Um, And even you with knowing exactly where things have to go, how they look, how they should be set up, what they need to do and how they build. It's just remembering that 60%, your 60% is still 100% better than everyone else's. Uh, is better than someone else's 100%, which is, again, not to say that people can't come up. They can. Mm-hmm. But, my, but my whole point of that being there is to give yourself permission that you're okay. Just say, I'm okay and I can do this and slowly implement and build. Though I should really take my own medicine and really say that to myself more often because I looked at my own, again, like I said, I looked at my website and went, I have like 50 things I want to just build into this for content pieces. And I'm like, hire it. Hire it out to someone else. Just get them to do it. Yes, I think that's super important too, because as entrepreneurs, we feel like we need to do everything. And literally, there's only so many hours in the day. I feel like every single day, I'm I'm like, oh, this day is done. I should probably sleep now, but I have all of these things to do. And when you're building, like, so I have team members, and that's exciting to have helpers, hands in there doing things, and then outsourcing things and getting things done. Um, you get so much, you get to your destination a lot quicker when you do that rather than trying to do everything by yourself and being stuck in like overwhelm with it. Yep. 
Yep, yep, yep. And one of the cool, like, guys, if you haven't already listened to it, please listen to the podcast with either Nathan Hirsch or, and or John Jonas that we did a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago at this point. Um, where we basically went into the depth of outsourcing and how they create their outsourcing plans to bring in a crap load of people. Give you a perfect example for this one for Hani. You'd actually love this. Uh, John, one, if I remember correctly, he revealed this on the show. I think he has 26 people that work for him. And he's like, I have businesses that make me money that I don't even touch. He goes, I get like a credit report every month going, we spent this much. This is how much we made. These are the ideas that we were running with. We knew you were busy. So we just took care of everything for you. So this dude literally just like banks it in every single month without. It's like, yeah, now I got a team that handle everything. Hashtag balls. Right? Just like so much more fun. Like, what do you do, Adolf? Just create all day. He doesn't even do that. He spends, if I remember correctly, I think he spends 17 hours a week working. That's, That's all he does, 17 hours a week. And that's mostly just like email pieces that he needs to send out or like team meetings. I'm like, God damn it, I'm so jealous. Envious of that. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome when you can build a team and you have a good and strong team that can manage things. Yeah, I mean, it's like a really good way of doing it. So we're kind of coming up to one of my favorite places uh, in the show, but I'm going to tweak one of my favorite questions to you, especially considering you like to travel and currently we're in a state of lockdown. My question to you is, if you could travel, like where would be your five best destinations that you wish you could travel to like right now? Like if you were told... Pick these five places. The next five months, you spend a month in each one. Uh, it's completely paid. What are those five places and why? Would they be places that I've already been to? Yeah, anywhere. Like you can literally pick every, anywhere you want in the world. Okay. So I like to go to new places. So generally every year I'll spend at least one month in a new country. Cool. And I really love Colombia. So one of so two years ago, I spent a month there. Um, Cartagena, Medellin, and Bogota, and I, but I would go back, like, I was just there again this past year, um, it's just, I like the vibe there, it's just chill, and I can get down there for a month, um, where else, uh, I'm really curious, wait, do you go down the, do you go there in, like, December, or do you go another time of the year? January. Okay, that's really interesting because a lot of my marketing buddies, they spend the entirety of December in uh, Medellin. Huh. So it's like, I was like, wait, is she, does she hang out with those guys? And I was like, no. I, so yeah, it's like January, they leave like a, around Christmas time, unfortunately. Well, I have to meet them then. For sure. Like, For travel buddies. Oh my God. I, like two of them actually live there, like have uh, apartment complexes there, and that's how they get everyone else in. They're like, yeah, just come stay at my place. So for sure, I'll have to like hook that up afterwards. Yeah, I, I love it there. Um, this past January, or I, w- I flew out the day after Christmas, and I was uh, in Thailand for a month. Um, Which in, part? Uh, Phuket, and we went to Koh Phangan, and then we went to Bangkok. Nice. So, I don't, there's so many places that I want to go. So, I don't know about spending a month, but I would spend a month in London. Um, yeah, yep. would. Spend a month in Dubai. I would not during lockdown. I wouldn't. I was like, that's the one place I'm not going during lockdown. Well, a little bit too stringent for me. Yeah, I mean, we're just talking about normal life. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I would go like literally anywhere that had good Wi-Fi and um, a nice accommodation, 
and the ability to do fun things. Yeah. So I, my friends are in Egypt right now and I really wanted to go with them, but I was like, I don't know if I want my first experience in Egypt to be during, you know, yes. lockdown, except for the fact that they're having a grand old time and you could probably not even tell. Yeah, probably not. It, it's the very same I've realized with certain places in Europe. They're like, nah, fuck it, we're good. Like, aren't you supposed to be in lockdown? Just wear a face mask, we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I I love traveling and I love going to different places. Um, there's so many places on my list. Like, I really want to go to Petra. I really want to go to Hong Kong. I mean... I don't know far right now, but I hear you on that one. That like my travel list is pretty extensive. I've got like a world map downstairs in my bedroom with like just places I want to go to and the reasons why I want to be there. It's I really... don't even have that many reasons. I mean, I, there are obviously reasons for anywhere, but if literally somebody was like, "Okay, we're going here. This is the deal. Do you want to come?" I'm usually a yes. Noted. <laughs> That's pretty noted because like for me, anywhere I tend to go, I tend to go either with a reason or I just go there to enjoy myself. And again, fairly recently, because I've not been able to travel. Now I can. It's kind of like the world is my oyster. Though I already, the, the worst part is that my friends have already predicted all the places I'm going. And they're like, well, no, you're going here first. I was like, God damn it. Why am I so predictable about it? Uh, so Brazil is one of the places I'm going in the next uh, six months. Brazil? Yeah. Because um, my style of martial art is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I used to fight in both MMA and Muay Thai. So those are all three big sports. And capoeira are all big sports out in Brazil. So it's like. Yeah, I'm just going home, essentially, more than anything else. Um, though, funnily enough, I still have to learn Brazilian Portuguese. Even though I know, like, my favorite word and two insults in Brazil in Portuguese. Wait, do you speak Portuguese? I used to. I spoke fairly frequently when I was about uh, 19, 20 years old, and then I stopped. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've uh, to give you an idea, I've learned eight, 19 languages in my life, and I speak six fluently at the moment, so... Wow, that's impressive. Thank you. It comes from a multilingual family, really. So if, I, if you ever want to have a hack on how to pick up language quickly, I can tell you what that is. What? Find a movie that you really love. Like, you know, all the words too. For me, it's The Matrix. Um, and it has enough... The reason it's The Matrix is because the screenplay is written in enough, in enough tenses with enough phrases that capture the entirety of the English language. It also has idioms, metaphors, and everything else in between. Uh, allegories are all in there. Because of that, I watch that movie in other languages. And because I know the script like the back of my hand, and I can quote it verbatim, I'm like, I've memorized you. I'm going to memorize you in another language now. So I well, do that I for about 20 days. I'm not really a movie person, so I don't have any movie memorized. So I don't know if that would work, but I do watch shows in all kinds of different languages on Netflix. That works. Like, particularly in Spanish, I will try to pay attention and see if I can understand without reading. And this is a daft question, but you've probably seen uh, Narcos, haven't you? No. What? How have you not seen Narcos? It's based in Colombia. I know. I've seen a couple of episodes, but I, I like nice movies. Fair. I don't, like, Fair. I like things that are just, you know. Super violent and fucked up and part of human history, but dramatized but that's a really good show for learning spanish as well by the way did you see the second um the second series because apparently uh my ex, my ex thinks that the girl in it reminds him of me which girl i don't know i never seen it 
there is a there are plenty of women in that. I'm just trying to wonder which one he's on about. Oh wait. Oh shit. No, I see it. <laughs> Fuck you. Do look like her. Give me a second. I'm gonna find out this photo while we're on podcast. Might as well, young Jamie, bring it up. We don't have a young Jamie, but still, um, I should really get a young Jamie at some point. Yeah. <laughs> what is a young Jamie? Uh, Joe Rogan fans know like he's basically the dude that works with Joe, and like Joe Rogan just constantly is like. Jamie, pull this up. Like, young Jamie, pull it up. It's, like, constant. Like, if you listen to any of these shows, that will happen no less than 15 times. So it's a running joke amongst um, podcasters, really, more than anything that like Joe. Okay, so we have to get you on. That's actually one of my long-term goals, is to get on his show. I want to interview him, to be fair, more than anything else. And then I want to roll with him. I have a death wish to roll with him. He'd beat the shit out of me. (laughs) Like, I know this for a fact. I have height. He has gorilla strength. So that's how that works. How tall are you? Uh, I'm actually, how old do you, how tall do you think I am? I don't know. That's why I asked. No, take a guess. I love people. I love when people guess. Cause I, I, I am. I'd say you're about five, four. Okay. Close. Five, three. Okay, cool. All right. How old, how tall do you think I am? Um, six feet. Damn. Wow. You are good dead on by the way wow yeah so like i have to say six feet and i think this is a weird admission to everyone on my podcast i'm not actually six foot tall what i am is a weird height based on my hypermobility if i've straightened and decompressed my spine i'm actually six foot and half an inch tall that is my official height six foot and half an inch tall but because of my hypermobility and my constantly compressed spine if i don't decompress it i can be five foot eleven half an inch so i either gain or lose an inch based on how compressed my spine is. So that's why my doctor was like, yeah, we're just gonna put down six feet for you. But my official height is 185 centimeters, which is six foot and a half an inch tall. Huh. Yeah, crazy how that happens. I was like, why the fuck do I get a half inch? Like either make me six feet or six one. I'd be happy with either one there. The half inch just feels weird. I feel like you need to do more yoga. No, I do a lot of yoga anyway, but the hypermobility is unfortunately one of the reasons why I can't do a lot of yoga anyway, because it damages the lean muscle and my tendons more than builds them up. So um, yeah, I health freak most of my life. So I've had to always figure out why my body doesn't want to work the right way. So you guys can't see this, but you can. So do you want to see something really freaky and what I mean by my hypermobility? Yeah. So most people straighten their arm out here. So this is a straight elbow. Yeah. And most people go, okay, this is straight. For me, my arm kind of goes all the way over. Yeah. And I have that in my shoulders, my back, my knees, and my feet, and my neck. You were happy that you didn't see that because his straight arm went more. Beyond. It hyperextends. Like, I hyperextend my elbow, like, almost naturally. So is your thumb up or down? I'd be curious. Okay, so if you put your thumb up, like, put your thumb up to the sky, that's how you really know because... Quick jujitsu lesson for anyone in the house. If you want to break someone's arm, make sure their thumb is up while you're hyperextending the elbow. If their thumb is any way else but up, that's how you get out. So if their thumb is up, it breaks the arm. If their thumb is down, it's not going to happen. So that is how, wow, you just told, okay. Yeah, so like if, so just, no one at home can see this, but Google how to do an arm bar. So essentially if my arm is up like this and you hyperextend it, this bone keeps going. But if you turn the thumb down, your whole wrist, your elbow turns, so you can't hyperextend and break this elbow if it's turned. Unless you switch angles, then that's a whole nother little case fish. I, I don't think I'm ever gonna try that. 
But I think you should. Like jujitsu is so much fun. Um, I'm kidding. Like everyone's got their thing, but like my training partners, one of the things I love about my gym is that everyone's super chill about it. So we have competitors, but we have people who are just chill and relaxed and show up and do their thing. I box, so, not people. Cool. Cool. Why not? Like, have you ever sparred or no? No, I don't want. I don't want punching in my face. I can imagine. It's always one of those things. It's really weird because um, going back to my fight, my fight days, I what the one thing that apparently used to freak people out, and I don't know when it stopped. I think it was like twenty six is when I stopped doing this. But if you hit me, or if you managed to get like a mountain MMA on me where you're about to hit me, apparently I giggled like a lot. Like I had like a very childish giggle when you hit me. That's weird. Yeah, I know. Like my my brain kind of like just thrives off fucking you up, which is like, you hit me in the face. I'm going to giggle. Cause that I found that deters people, by the way, is if yeah. you laugh at the hits. Crazy. Yeah, it's fine. But then again, <laughs> I fought, I fought for a living. That was my career at one point as I fought, I got in the ring to fight. That was my whole thing. Okay. So life is different now kind of jumping off this point. Cause I'm not going to be able to find this goddamn person's name for the people that are watching at home. If you want to Google this, I think it's Lisa is her name is Fuck yes, that is her name. Thank you. Sorry, I just remembered. I was trying to remember what her name is. Um, yeah, you look... No, it's not Lisa. You don't look like Lisa. It's the other lady. The lady in the taxi that helps out and unfortunately dies at some point. But you do look like her. You okay. do look like her quite a bit. So one of my questions that I love to ask on the show... Actually, are you more audiobooks or more physical books? What's your take on the two? I like the concept of having a physical book in my hands. However, when you are traveling for extended periods of time and when you are really into fashion, um, shoes become a priority than physical books. And then when you're trying to do all of the things at the same time. So I'm more into audiobooks now, but I have tons of real books. You know, my, my mom has a library full of books in university when other kids were getting care packages with like snacks and cookies. My mom would give me care packages of file boxes of books. I would walk around New York City and New York City is busy, but I was very skillful at walking through the streets of New York City while reading a book and never hitting anybody. But then again, um, you're all five foot three, so you can dodge and dive and duck and move around the city like easy. So. <laughs> There is that advantage. But no, I definitely, I love that. So I was going to actually ask, what would you say would be the five most important books that you would recommend to anyone to either read, listen to, or just, you know, be enamored by? What would those five books be? Um, so the book that I always suggest when I'm on panels is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yep, and even though it's a super old school book, I think it kind of throws people when they see me, I seemingly look young. And you do look yeah. young. Like if you told me how old you are, I can kind of guess, I'm not going to do it on air, but I can guess but, that like you're older than, you're older than most people would imagine you are. Yes. Yeah. Um, you look 20, so, that's why. Like FYI, she looks like barely coming out of the teen years. Oh, wow. <laughs> You do. But, um, so that book I use because essentially people feel social media is just this tool to do sales. And it's really about building connections. And, and of course, when you have relationships and connections, that will lead to sales because people will like trust and know you. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the books. Um, what's the other one? The 10, the 10 Amendments? Uh, just about mindset. 
Oh, the four agreements. Is that wow, one? Wow, four agreements. There we go. Yeah. I, I clearly know. I knew what you meant. Like, yeah. it's really with, I knew what you meant there. Yeah, but I can picture the cover of the book, but the name, I'm like, eh. Yeah, it's no. like four leaves and quite rustic as a color, right? Is that yeah. what you're going with? Yeah. The four agreements. Um, I don't really know. I, I've read so many different random books. I have... I have a fairly good amount of cabinet space in my kitchen and there's probably three cabinets that don't have cooking or food supplies in them. They're full of books. Oh God. I envy you so much. Like my kitchen is just full of cooking shit. And as well, this is like part of the, this is what's left of my library after moving, by the way, I had to give away half that amount of books when I left my old place. And now we have more. So these are, these are literally all the books on my desk right now that I have to read. So clearly you like the physical books rather than... I, I, no, I love audiobooks. I like physical books because they just feel nice to have, but I love audiobooks so I can hear them at speed. I can't do Kindle books. I don't know how people do Kindle. That's like the most weirdest thing to me. I'm like, ah, it feels weird. No. I've done Kindle books. So before I really got into like audiobooks, I would do the Kindle books because I still wanted to like read. But then now when I'm driving, I'll listen to audiobooks because obviously you shouldn't read and drive. Yeah. I was going to say, who does that? Uh, people, I would assume, but you shouldn't do it. <laughs> no, it's a no-no. PSA, bitches. Um, one of the questions I did have to ask you, like specifically around uh, books that you've read, have you read like 50 Cent's new book, like Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter yet? Have you got into that? No. Definitely don't. recommend it. Like really? it's, it's a really, it's already like, it's broke my top 10 business books. Huh. It's only, it literally only came out a month ago, like I think July, 2020. Um, and it's already one of my most recommended books that I give to people. Huh. Yeah, but then again, I'm a, I'm a fan of his and I really enjoyed The 50th Law and Robert Greene is my all-time favorite author. So it's like, I'm essentially just amalgamating other people. Like 50 Cent is basically all of Robert Greene's books embodied in a human. And I'm like, this makes me happy. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, think to read that. So my favorite book is The Autobiography of Anwar Sadat. It has nothing to do with business. And I love that. It, you know it references Jimmy Carter and essentially their, um, their wants to make peace in the Middle East and, you know, come to some sort of resolution with Israel and um, modernize kind of practices. So there's a lot of really good quotes that I don't know if he came up with or whoever was ghostwriting um, wrote in, but there's a lot of different concepts about love and people's being and um so i just found it interesting and touching and hopeful even though he was assassinated yeah but um i'm not surprised by that to be fair it's it's starting to worry me how many people get assassinated um have you ever read confessions of an economic hitman like either one of those books so I was listening to an interview that the guy gave, I can't remember his name, but he was saying the easiest way to assassinate someone as a government official is to make get, make a private plane go down. It's like anytime you hear like a senator or someone else like that being like, oh, they died on a private jet. It was an accident. Just assume that's an assassination. I was like, what? That's so, that so crazy. I feel like that's like 
what I assume anyways. Yeah, usually. I mean, well, to be fair, this this is going to sound a bit strange to everyone else at home, but because of our ethnicities, you almost immediately go down that route. I don't know if you do. <laughs> like, conspiracy theory just seems to have been born into me from when I was a child. I, like, believe- I believe... Oh, wow. See, I'm the opposite. I believe nothing. I'm like, no, I got to look at it myself. No, I literally believe everything. Like, all sides of every story. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that could be true, or that one, or that one. So I believe everything. It's kind of confusing for people, too, when I yeah. do believe everything. I'm like, that could be possible, and that could be possible. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've already... It, it's. We're not going to go into this now, because we're almost on the show, but... Um, at some point, I will probably share with my fans, and I'll tell you right now, one of the weirdest things I've ever done was uh, I was on acid, and I basically just started rambling to a friend of mine about the first seven days in heaven. And they were like, what? I was like, I already know what my first seven days in heaven is if I ever make it to heaven. They're like, what would be day one? I was like, everyone's like, okay, question. You make it to heaven, what's the first thing you do? Like most people, like, what is the first thing you're going to do when you get to heaven? All of Eat all of the things, see the family, see ancestors, go hang out, find historical figures, the whole lot, right? Everyone's got their own thing. Apparently, I have the most, I don't, it's not fucked up. I just have one that shouldn't make sense. (laughs) Because my first day is just go through the entire world's history and look for all the conspiracy theories. That's all I want to (laughs) do. It's like day one. JFK died. JFK, what happened? (laughs) Oh, shit. They actually found that out, by the way. That's actually been resolved, but they just make too much money off the conspiracy for it to shut down. Hmm. Yeah, apparently got killed by the mob through a sewer grate shooting. A what? Like, so, you know, uh, have you ever seen It? Like, Stephen King's It? You know, the storm drains? Yeah, my mom gave me that book to read when I was like eight or nine years old. And I read like the first two chapters and had nightmares forever and was very upset. So if I said, go, do, 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 for absolutely ages, you'd actually punch me in the throat. <laughs> I feel like you would. You would, Or get a stepladder and then punch me in the throat. One of the two. <laughs> I'm allowed to make short jokes. It's allowed. <laughs> Every so often. But um, no, one of the weirdest ones I actually had from that was, uh, so the JFK thing apparently found out that he got shot from the storm drain uh, because of what, uh, well, JFK and apparently his brother Bobby, one of them killed Marilyn Monroe. And because he wouldn't bend to mob pressure, the mafia were the ones that put out the hit on him. So it's like a perfect storm of stuff. Um, And it's really weird because I've just finished watching Umbrella Academy 2, well, when it came out. And that's the central plot point of the entire show is the JFK assassination. Yes, I watched that too. Oh my God. Season three, episode Oh, sorry, season two, episode three, with Klaus's entire like cult building thing with uh, Boney M's soundtrack of Sunny is my all-time favorite like imagery. Like that makes me so happy. That entire sequence gives me joy. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. Actually, one last thing before we head out, if we have time, I'd love to ask you is this from a perspective of a woman in social media and in business, and that is how do you maintain and protect your confidence? especially from either the naysayers or your own internal dialogue? Yeah, so this has kind of been like a very big topic, even like with my male clients, you know, people are afraid to share because they're like, oh, well, we don't want to appear to be like this. We don't want people to say this. And being a speaker as well, you know, I didn't want to be a speaker because I didn't want everyone staring at me and passing all of their judgments. 
And my business coach was like, well, why do you do what you do? And I said, I really like helping people achieve their dreams and grow their businesses. And he said, well, you can do that for more people if you get up on stage and do it in front of a lot of people and help. And I said, okay, fine, let's do this. I'm going to get over my insecurities and my fears and all of that stuff because my goal or my why I do this is to really grow people's businesses. And um, I think that's what it, when it comes to like posting things or sharing and doing lives and doing these podcasts, it, it really is about my contribution to the world. And of course, I don't like when people say, I'm like super sensitive, so I don't like when people say anything like bad about me. But the fact of the matter is, I have a lot of great knowledge that I can share that help people. I know a ton of people that I'm sharing their knowledge with the world as well. And so ultimately, when it comes from a place of contribution and I'm doing something to make a difference in other people's lives, my insecurities don't seem that important anymore. And one of my friends said, um, people will only talk if they're doing less than you. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's true. Like haters will only hate when they are hating. Like people that are about big things and doing great things, they're, they're not going to be the ones that are like saying things. You know, I've had people comment on, oh, like my voice, like, oh my God, can you believe she sounds like that in this video? And I'm like, that was your takeaway? Wow. Like, that's really? just dumb. Such yeah. a Dumbass comment. But that's really interesting that you actually have that put out there. And by the way, I, I'm aware that you've got another call coming in literally right now. So uh, I'm going to say thank you so much for being here and joining us today and taking the time to share so much knowledge and being free about what you do for Hana. It's actually very refreshing. Um, so guys, please go check out imediaexposure.com. Fo follow her online. Don't be an asshole to her because then I'll have to you know, be an asshole to you. She's lovely. She's when you find lovely people, you just be nice to them because they they tend to be more nice to you as well. And everyone kind of gets on better that way. Um, on that side of things, guys, as always, have an amazing weekend. Please rate, subscribe, share, and review the show so we can get more and more people on board. Keep growing those. Uh, keep growing the family and seeing how far we can really push this thing. As always, have a great day and be continually awesome. Thank you, Farhana. Bye. Thank you so much. <laughs>